It's the most accurate podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter. As always, I'm joined by John Paulson. John, how are we doing today? I'm doing all right. I'm, I'm getting over the uh, Gardner Minshew letdown, but uh, I'm doing okay. Boy, ugly game, and we'll certainly get into that in today's podcast. At least an ugly game from Jacksonville standpoint. Miami looked very good on Thursday night. We're recording this podcast on Friday, so in case you're listening to any information on Saturday or Sunday morning, just understand that John and I record this podcast on Friday morning. John, tell us about the music that brought us in today. Yeah, that's a new track uh, from The Struts, uh, and it features... Albert Hammond Jr., who is from The Strokes. So it's basically The Strokes and The Struts getting together. Uh, it's called Another Hit of Showmanship. It's a single they just released uh, not too long ago. Looks like they have a new uh, album coming out here soon. So uh, I'll put the, the track on the Most Accurate Podcast playlist, which you can find on Spotify and in the show notes. This podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. Sports are finally back, as you know. Fantasy football, basketball playoffs, hockey Stanley Cup, baseball is getting closer and closer to its postseason golf and more and FanDuel has you covered there a couple of housekeeping items 444 now has a discord John you did a waiver audio chat on Tuesday right how'd that go that went well I actually ended up talking I was planning on doing a half hour and I ended up uh, talking uh, for I think 45 minutes to an hour just about the different strategies with uh, all the different injuries at the different positions and what you know who to pick up or who to try to trade for or Etc. And I know, like, so our uh, subscriber base skews a bit older. I don't know if it's older than me. I'm 46, but and people are a little reluctant to try to get on Discord because they don't know what it is or unsure about it. But um, we have 2,000 plus members so far. Uh, a lot of the 444 team is in there throughout the day, answering questions, talking about stuff. There's an uh, analytics insights channel where I post uh, stats. Uh, on Monday, uh, as I go through the depth charts and go through the box scores and look at everything as I'm getting ready to do uh, rankings for the following week. Um, so that all that information is in there. And there's just a lot of different uh, fantasy owners in there helping each other out and talking and discussing what's going on and breaking news and, and all that. So even if you're a little like unsure about it and don't know what to do, and when you get in there, it's not that hard. I was a little confused when I first joined up. Uh, but there are people there to help uh, guide you through, and then you know within a week you you know how to operate everything and and uh, get that information there. And that's just a way for us as a, a company to give uh, the extra attention to our subscribers and give that information to our subscribers. So I'm posting less on Twitter now and and more in the Discord uh, to help our subscribers out. So you know if you if you follow me on Twitter and you're a subscriber, you should definitely get in the Discord to get you know get all the content. So to join, go to go to bit.ly slash the number four F O R four Discord. So bit.ly slash four for four Discord, and those two fours are the number four F O R number four Discord. 
all in lowercase. You verify your subscription and then you get started. If you haven't signed up for 4 for 4, you can get a free 4 for 4 subscription if you sign up for Monkey Knife Fight, which is a new daily fantasy site. You just need to be a new Monkey Knife Fight user and deposit $10 into your account and then you sign up. The offer is good for a free 4 for 4 Classic, Pro, or DFS subscription, so it's up to a $99 value. No-brainer assuming you live in one of the 35 approved states or Canada. Details at bit.ly slash 444MKF. That's all lowercase. The offer is good for existing 444 subscribers as well. Just go through the process and then email at 444.com to let them know, and then they'll add a year to your existing subscription. Let's go through a lot of the news that is impacting fantasy owners in week three, including Saquon Barkley owners. The Giants have placed Saquon Barkley on injured reserve with the torn ACL that ends his season. They've also placed wide receiver Sterling Shepard on injured reserve. Shepard is dealing with turf toe. It's a multi-week injury. He's out the next three games, but could return when first eligible in week six. So you've got Barkley and Shepard. The other news, as we talk about the Giants and Saquon, Deion Lewis, Devontae Freeman. Freeman was signed to a one-year contract that's worth up to $3 million. We don't know right now what Freeman's role is going to be, but Deion Lewis sounds like, John, that he's probably the best bet to be the Giants' top running back now that Saquon Barkley's out. Yeah, I think it was uh, the beat writer Jordan Ranon. Um, I'm probably mispronouncing that. Uh, said that Lewis was the best fantasy bet. Go pick him up. Uh, I found that interesting because Freeman has been kind of waiting and you know lying in the weeds trying to find the best landing spot for for him. And I think he was waiting for a uh, a team or an opening to 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 open up basically to give him the most touches, give him the best opportunity to play. And I don't know that he would sign to be uh, Deion Lewis's backup. So. You know, I'm, I'm expecting kind of an ugly committee here with, uh, you know, Freeman probably, you know, in on early downs and Deion Lewis playing third downs. But Freeman can also catch passes and Lewis can play a little bit on the early downs as well, run the ball a little bit. Um, so I'm sort of steering clear of this. And I realize a lot of people can't afford to do that because they lost Barkley or they, you know, they lost Christian McCaffrey uh, for a few weeks. So um, I would think this week for sure, Deion Lewis would be the better play uh Devonta Freeman's probably still trying to find his apartment and <laughs> get get settled and learn the offense basically uh but I would expect you know you know in the coming weeks here to to get into more of a committee where these two are sort of splitting that role all right let's talk about Christian McCaffrey as we discuss injuries for week three he was placed on injured reserve with an ankle injury he's he was given a four to six week timetable so when you're looking at Carolina's backfield how do you feel about Mike Davis yeah, when that news came out, it said four to six weeks. He said he was going to try to beat that. I was, you know, I think in, typically with a high ankle sprain, it's 15 days till you can get back on the field, not necessarily playing, but, you know, get back and working. And depending on, the, uh, but that's an average. Uh, so sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter. Uh, and the key for me was, did they put him on IR yet? And if they hadn't, then that means they expect him back, you know, in two to three weeks because they, they want to get him back for that week, you know, I guess week uh, we're in week three, so week four, five, six. They want to get him back for that week five, week six game. Now that they put him on IR, that means they're pretty sure he's going to be out those three weeks. Maybe they're doing that so that he just gets you know gets better and doesn't try to push to get back on the field and the injury lasts a lot longer. So, um, 
yeah, I think Mike Davis is, is a decent going to be a decent play for the next three weeks. We don't exactly know how this backfield is going to shake out either. Reggie Bonifine still on the team. Uh, he was in the practice squad. I'm assuming they're going to call him up from the practice squad this week uh, before the game and have him back up Mike Davis. That's my assumption. Um, I don't know how this is going to split out between these two. Davis is, you know, is kind of a journeyman. He caught a lot of passes last week uh, as the Panthers were in catch-up mode. Uh, so he's got some PPR upside. Uh, Bonifon uh, had a pretty good yards per carry last year, but it was all um, driven by one really long carry where he, I don't, I don't know how long it was, but I remember watching it and uh, he looked pretty good. Uh, but he didn't get very many touches last year behind McCaffrey. So right now I'm assuming Mike Davis in the lead role. Bonifon is as a uh, sort of a sort of as a backup there, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about uh, Curtis Samuel later. All right, 49ers, they're, they've got a real mess on their hands from a running back standpoint. Raheem Mostert, he has an MCL sprain, likely won't play in week three against the Giants. Tevin Coleman was placed on injured reserve with a knee injury. He's expected to miss a month. You've got Jeff Wilson. According to the San, San Francisco Chronicle, they believe that Wilson could see the most action in week three against the Giants. However, a lot of people picking up Jarek McKinnon and potentially st- starting him after he rushed three times for 77 yards and a touchdown in the week week two win against the Jets. So when you kind of decipher things with this 49ers backfield, John, what do you like about either McKinnon or Wilson in week three from a fantasy standpoint? Well, this is a situation where we know that um, Kyle Shanahan likes to spread the ball around in his backfield. He doesn't usually rely on one guy. Uh, so thinking that McKinnon's going to come in and get 20-plus touches is probably foolish. Uh, Wilson has had a history with, with this team um, f- for a few years. He was the basically the primary goal line back for the span. He had um, back-to-back two touchdown games um, early uh, week two and, and week three of the Steelers last season. So he had four touchdowns in two games there. He was the primary back for a couple of games in 2018 with back-to-back 23-plus touch games against the Seahawks and the Broncos, and that was in weeks 13 and 14 of 2018. He has a career yards per carry of uh, 3.9. So comparing him to McKinnon, McKinnon they brought in, they you know they, they signed him to a big free agent deal, and he's been uh, injured the last two years. But he was originally the guy that uh, Shanahan wanted in his backfield or one of the primary guys in his backfield. So what I think was going, is going to happen is McKinnon's going to get most of the passing down work and most of the receptions work, which is fairly significant right now because they're very bang, banged up at, at receiver uh, and tight end. Uh, so I would expect him to have more catches than Wilson. Wilson uh, doesn't have a history, huge history of catching passes, but he did have a couple of uh, big games in 2018 catching the ball. So he's capable. Um, and then McKinnon probably will take a back seat on terms of number of carries uh, so I think Wilson is actually a pretty good uh, sneaky start. Um, and McKinnon is the guy that everybody's excited about. And I do think he probably outscores uh, Wilson in half PPR and full PPR formats, but it might be closer than people think. All right, moving on to Zach Moss, the Bills running back. He's already been ruled out for week three against the Rams. He'll miss the first game after not his first game after not practicing all week. So Devin Singletary looks like he's he's ready for an every down roll, John. Yeah, and I uh, just tweeted out um, his splits once he began, uh, or once he was a starter uh, in week nine of last year, so weeks nine through 16, 
I, I used our market share splits app, which uh, Kevin's at Lucal built for us over at 444. So if you, it's under uh, tools. So check it out if you ever have a question about uh, a player's splits with or without a player or home or away or based on the line or, or whatever. Um, but he averaged uh, 16 carries for 75 yards, uh, just 0.13 rush touchdowns because Josh Allen steals so many rush touchdowns. But he also you know, was active in the passing game, 2.5 receptions for uh, 17 yards, uh, 0.13 receiving touchdowns per game for uh, – you know, PPR production of 13.0 uh, in those eight games. So I'm expecting him to take the lead role now with Moss out of the way uh, for this game. And TJ Eldon probably will be the backup. Uh, don't expect a rushing touchdown out of Singletary. He wasn't real good around the, the, the goal line last year. Um, I expect that to be Josh Allen's shtick. Uh, but you should see Singletary with, you know, 18 to 20 touches this week. All right, not great news for Julio Jones owners or the Falcons in general. Ian Rappaport of NFL Network reporting that Julio is very much up in the air for week three against the Bears. That's because he re-injured his hamstring in that ugly week two collapse to the Dallas Cowboys last week. Johnny hasn't practiced the last two days. What would be your advice for Julio Jones owners? Uh, So do do we want to talk about the Falcons? (laughs) <laughs> and, the, and the Cowboys. Uh, well, yeah, and John's bringing that up because I, because regular listeners know I'm a Falcon fan. I, I'll be completely honest. I I, <laughs> I wasn't surprised. You know, I mean, if if you want me to like rant and rave and things like that, it's just it's just a sad state of affairs. And I'll give you two. I'll give you twenty seconds on Dan Quinn. The, this is this is a trend. You know, this is not something that just predates the Super Bowl that this is a trend where he is completely out coached in week two when you don't hop on on a ball like that I don't care how good the onside kick was when you not when you don't know that the that you should hop on the ball and be aggressive on that onside kick that's coaching when you allow Michael Gallup to get behind you up two scores in the fourth quarter that that's coaching um when you don't know why you're going for two randomly after touchdowns and you lose by one point that's coaching so to me, John, this this is now on Arthur Blank, the ownership. Who I I love Arthur Blank. I really do. He cares, but he's got kind of a big heart, and the players talked him into keeping Dan Quinn because they finished so well last year. But this is the third straight year they've started off slow, and they've collapsed in the second half of many games. So I think they need a complete refresh. And I now understand uh, that that was more than twenty seconds. So I apologize. <laughs> That's my. Time. Well, I, I felt like it was when, I, when we started talking about Julio that it was the elephant in the room that we needed to. <laughs> not surprised. I'm not. To, I'm not. I'm not. They're like, oh my god, how, how can they do that? They're the Falcons. They've done this for years. I mean, it. This is. I could. Mess. I couldn't believe it. Like you figure, like somebody, a team would have luck at some point when it comes to right. something like that. But right. That was amazing. I was just befuddled by the whole situation. I think I'm more pissed I, off, John. Sorry to cut you off. At the at the people that are no. like, oh, what a what an unbelievable comeback from the Cowboys. They freaking got yeah, handed no. a win. Stop. Go ahead. <laughs> well, we were watching because we root against the Cowboys. Of course, sure. they're one of the teams that we root against in this household, and uh, my wife especially hates the Cowboys. So uh, she couldn't believe it. She was. We were just, it was, we were stunned. It's anyway, um, Julio dropped a long touchdown from Russell Gage in that mm-hmm. game. His fantasy line would have looked better, but he was pretty much struggling with the, the hamstring injury since this very all game, but he's been struggling with it since his beginning of the season. Uh, and it sounds like he is quite iffy here to face 
the Bears, and this is a kind of a weird situation with the Bears because they're pretty good against the pass, and their you know fantasy points allowed to uh, receivers so far are um, are pretty low, uh, you know, compared to the league. So pretty good defense, and you have Calvin Ridley and Russell Gage as the primary receivers. So those guys you would think would get a bump, but maybe they uh, the quality of their targets uh, are downgraded a little bit because Julio's not on the field to absorb a lot of the attention of the defense, and you know now they're able to double. Ridley and you know maybe even double gauge because he's seen a ton of targets um, so far this season. Uh, you know Hayden Hurst I think also gets a little bump. I think there's just more you know pass attempts to go around, but I wonder uh, how this passing game is going to suffer if if Julio Jones is out. I was just looking uh, as you were ranting, which is totally understandable. Uh, they play early uh, on Sunday, so we should have you know we'll probably get a um, you know a Schefter tweet or something you know early Sunday morning. Um, you know, saying that it's either a true game time decision or that he's not expected to play. Um, and then the owners have to make their minds up at that point. At least the game is early so that owners have a chance to pivot uh, to another to another player. And I think in a lot of leagues, Russell Gage might be available and you know in the shallower leagues because you know they haven't uh, moved on him yet because they probably think he's more of a flash in the pan, but he's he, he's been doing this since uh, since going back to last season. yeah, they th- that was one player I wish I had talked more about in our off season chats because I you could sense that they really liked Gage. So if you're, even if you're a DFS player as well, keep, keep your eye on Gage. Cause he's still like the markets have not adjusted DFS wise to, to Russell Gage yet. Moving forward, Devonte Adams, NFL network scene, Rappaport, who we just discussed with Julio Jones. He says, Adams chance to play in week three doesn't look great. Not, not uh, a good situation as the Packers get ready for the saints on Sunday night, John. Yeah, it's almost as if the Packers should have a little bit more talent at receiver and be ready for sort of depth <laughs> problems that they're having there. Hey, you're two and zero. Yeah, we are. Uh, uh, we I didn't do anything. Uh, this is a little. This is a tougher situation because it's a five twenty p p.m. game uh, Pacific, uh, eight twenty p.m. game Sunday night. Uh, so we may not know until if it's if there are two game time decision for for Adams. We may not know until at that point. Uh, whether or not he's going to play, uh, possible pivots. Uh, Valdez Scantling may be available. Uh, Alan Lazard may be available. Traquan Smith may be available. Emmanuel Sanders might be available. Uh, Nicole Hardman might be available on Monday night. Looks like uh, Sammy Watkins might miss the game. And if you're really desperate, you could maybe go with uh, Miles Boykin for the Ravens uh, at receiver. Uh, I, I Heading into this week, I thought for sure that Devontae would play, and I still have him in the rankings until I get something really negative Negative because he was standing on the sideline as they were blowing out the Lions, and apparently uh, Matt LaFleur told him just to, like he felt a little twinge or something in his hamstring and told him just to sit out and see if we need you. So it, he wasn't like ruled out for the game, and usually when that happens, they can play the following week, But and this is a pretty big game against the Saints, but... Uh, the Packers tend to be pretty conservative with their injuries and uh, play it safe. So, you know, if he's out, you're looking at Marquez Valdez, Scantling, Alan Lazard. Um, God, who's their third? I know it's a Taylor, but I don't remember if it's uh, it's Malik Taylor. Uh, Equinemia St. Brown, I believe, is on injured reserve. So you're this is the crew you're looking at. Um, at receiver and uh you know Saints defense is pretty good so it might be a tougher day if, if Devontae's not out there for this for this offense as a whole because he uh 
he's so good and he attracts so much of the attention of the defense. The Lions are really hurting. At least the vertical passing game has been really hurting without Kenny Galladay. Galladay is dealing with a hamstring injury. He was limited in practice on Wednesday. It looks like he's trending towards playing against Arizona, which would be a, a nice matchup, John. But how confident are you that Galladay will play? He, he's doing more this week uh, than he did in the last two weeks, and that's a good sign. That usually indicates that a player is you know, on his way back. Um, again, this, is, uh, this game is in Detroit? Or is it's it in Arizona. Arizona. So let me guess, they play late. Yes, they do. They play late round of games. Um, so this could be a game-time decision. This is causing you know headaches for fantasy owners again. And the same pivots that I mentioned for Devontae would work for for Galladay, uh, you could also throw in there, like, um, I don't know, Marvin Jones is probably not available, but Cephas might be available for the for the Lions, Danny Amendola. Um, for the Cardinals, I would say Christian Kirk, but he's got a groin injury, so he's a little dicey. Maybe Larry Fitzgerald or uh, Andy Isabella uh, would be possible plugins for Galladay if you want to wait on him. I have him ranked right now as a like a wide receiver, low end wide receiver too. Uh, you know, coming back from the from the hamstring injury, if it sounds like he's a full go or is ready to roll, then I'll probably move him up. Um, but you know, I, I like to see the production on the field before I rank a player real high because other otherwise I get lots of complaints from my fantasy owners saying that or the subscribers saying that uh, I ranked him too high. All right, moving on to Michael Thomas, the Saints wide receiver who did not play last week due to the high ankle sprain. Probably not going to play according to Rappaport. I highly doubt he faces your Packers, John. Yeah, and I think it's only fair if we lose Devontae that uh, the Saints don't have Michael Thomas. I mean, it's almost like spotting a spotting a player. Each each uh, each team spots a player. And a number one uh, wide receiver, nonetheless. Yeah, and he's uh you know he's got the high ankle sprain, so even if he's out there, he's probably not going to be a hundred percent. But uh, it doesn't sound like he's going to play. Uh, so unless we get some encouraging tweets saying that he's feeling a lot better and and you know is now questionable or you know they're they're going to test him out before the game, uh, I would assume he's out. Uh, same same pivots as as Devontae. Uh, specifically, Traquan Smith uh, played very well against the, the Raiders last week. I thought Emmanuel Sanders would do a lot better than he did, but he was pretty brutal against the Raiders. I would suspect that he bounces back and has a pretty good game against the Packers. Eagles rookie wide receiver Jalen Rager, John, out for a while with a thumb injury. That Eagles passing game looks completely out of sync, but is there anybody that you like in Philadelphia's wide receiver core Sunday against well, uh, Cincinnati? Yeah, Deshaun Jackson, I think, is, you know, gets an upgrade here. He's going to end up having to play more snaps um, with Rieger out. They were basically splitting time uh, when they were both playing. Uh, and I also think that both tight ends, I mean, obviously Zach Ertz is playable and startable every week, but Dallas Goddard is startable every week as a, a tight end one now with, with this situation because they're just going to run a receiver out there and run so much 12, I think, uh, personnel. And uh, Goddard's snaps should increase with, with – with Rieger's injury and and as for Rieger, he's or is it Rager? Rager. Do we yeah. we determine that? Like yeah. Rager, um, you know, I don't think he's going to be back this half of the season, so he's definitely droppable in most formats. If you uh, want to, you know, if there's somebody you want to pick up uh, in the meantime. Meanwhile, in Denver, Cortland Sutton placed on injured reserve with a torn ACL that ends his season. So a couple of names to think about: Jerry Judy, the rookie. He was limited in practice on Wednesday due to a rib injury. K.J. Hamler expected to have an increased role, though, with Sutton out for the season. Do you like any of these guys? And then what about Tim Patrick as well? We might as well throw him in the mix. 
Yeah, those uh, Hamler and Patrick will see their snaps rise and usage rise with uh, Sutton out. It's a big hole, big shoes to fill. I think Judy will see that as well. Um, so there's quite a few targets up for grabs here. Unfortunately, you know, Drew Locke's out. I don't know how much of a you know downgrade it is um, to the backup, but you know, this team is probably going to be trailing um, a lot this year at this point, given what's going on with the defense and the offense. So. Uh, you know, some extra pass attempts and everything. Hamler uh, made his debut last week, uh, and uh, he led. He tied for the lead in targets with seven, and uh, led the team in air yards with 116. Uh, that was up there among the week two leaders in air yards. So he's the deep threat and uh, is going to have some big games. But he also, you know, made some catches and, and had a decent game receiving. Uh, and then Patrick, uh, you know, probably a little bit less confidence, and he's not the shiny object that Hamler is. With Hamler's speed, it's like four-two speed with Hamler. So, um, I think they definitely will be uh, using him as the as the deep threat. Not great news for Josh Jacobs owners. He was officially DNP. D- did not practice in thir- Thursday's practice for the Raiders. This is two straight times now um, that he has not practiced this week. Apparently, he's dealing with a, a hip injury. And then, while we're talking about the Raiders, Henry Ruggs is dealing with both knee and hamstring injury. He was down downgraded to limited in Thursday's practice. How how big of a concern is it that Jacobs and Waller? I'm sorry, I, I, I meant to ma- mention uh, Darren Waller, the tight end, but we can certainly talk about Henry Ruggs as well. Waller did not practice Thursday either. So that's three skilled position players, John, for the Raiders: Jacobs, Waller, Ruggs that did not practice or, or was at least limited in practice yesterday. Yeah, and I don't know that this is, you know, we'll see what happens today with the Friday uh, updates. Sometimes after a Monday night game, a tough Monday night game like that, um, teams will give, a, you know, a player, usually just one, you know, it's kind of banged up, will give them one day off. But, you know, for them to be out um, Wednesday and Thursday practice is kind of surprising and it's starting to get a little worrisome, but if they come back and are limited to today, um, then I think we'll be fine. I was just scrolling through the, uh, Twitter feed to see if there's any update on them yet, but they're, you know, West coast team. So probably they're going to be practicing later, later in the, in the day. So, uh, I would assume that they're both going to be, cause I don't know of any injury coming out of that game. Uh, Waller tore up the saints, uh, and, you know, Jacobs played a lot as well. I believe they both finished the game, so I would assume they'd be able to play this week, uh, but we won't know uh, for sure until today or maybe even later. All right, then we're looking at the Chiefs situation, which they don't play until Monday night. Sammy Watkins is in the league's concussion protocol. He looked like he was fine, or he at least he insisted that he was fine after taking a headshot from Perryman, the linebacker, in the fourth quarter last week, and the Chiefs come from behind victory against the Chargers. What's your thoughts on Sammy Watkins ahead of Monday night's game against the Ravens? Well, this is uh, Michael Hardman you know, time if he's out, because uh, Hardman, his snaps jumped from 20-something percent to uh, 60-something percent with with uh, Watkins sideline in that game. So if he's on the field, 60, 70, 80% of the snaps, then he's your, he's your uh, sneaky start. He's a good pivot for anybody who's got Watkins or uh, needs a, needs a player with high upside. Um, and he's, you know, Hardman last year made his bones uh, when uh, Tyree kill was out, when there was injuries in that, in that uh, 
receiving core, and he was able to move up into that starting lineup and play 60-70% of the snaps, because when he's on the field in that offense, he ends up producing. George Kittle looks like he might have a shot to play against the Giants after not playing last week against the Jets. Ian Rappaport, a lot of, of airtime for Ian Rappaport today of NFL Network. Uh, he, Ian Rappaport reported that Kittle looks like he could go against the Giants, but he was limited in practice with that knee injury. How confident are you that not only will George Kittle play against the Giants, but he'll actually be worthy enough to start for fantasy owners? Uh, I'm not confident at all because of this uh, turf at MetLife and everybody's talking about how it's uh, dangerous. Uh, I don't wouldn't think that they would risk Kittle on it. Really, should they, anybody, anybody be playing on it if it's this, <laughs> if everybody's complaining about it? Uh, this might be a little bit of games, gamesmanship, to, gamesmanship to get the Giants to prepare for Kittle, uh, or it, it may actually be real. I, I wouldn't be confident unless he's uh, you know removed from the injury report and is uh, you know sure to play. So if it's a questionable tag and it's a pregame decision or game time decision, uh, at that point I would just wait until we find out if he's active. Uh, if he's active, I would assume that he's very close to 100% because uh, I don't think that the 49ers would risk it with him just to beat the Giants, um, that they feel feel like they would need him to beat the Giants, uh, given what's going on with, with both teams. Um, but it's a 10 a.m. game, uh, early game, so for, for uh, fantasy owners that are going to be waiting on Kittle, you should know uh, in the morning whether or not he's going to be playing. With Tyrod Taylor out for the Chargers, how does the offense change with quarterback, rookie quarterback Justin Herbert under center in your eyes? Yeah, there's a lot of people making analysis based on one game with Tyrod and, and then one game with uh, Justin Herbert, and I don't know that you know if Tyrod comes back that we should write off Keenan Allen because he didn't have a good game against the Bengals, but uh, you know bump up Mike Williams because he was targeted a lot against the Bengals. I, I just think that it's such a small sample with these two that you don't really know what the impact is other than the fact that Taylor would seemingly want to run the ball more, although he didn't, I don't think he did much against the, the Bengals anyway. Uh, it just the, the offense looked a little bit better against the Chiefs. Herbert looked uh, pretty good. He's got a big arm. Uh, he did pepper uh, Keenan Allen with targets, so it seems like it's good for him. Uh, and uh, he did also target Austin Eckler, uh, who had four receptions in week two after not catching a ball or not being targeted, or maybe he had one target with uh, with Tyrod Taylor. People are jumping to the conclusion that Tyrod Taylor will not pass the ball to his running backs, but it's not necessarily the case. It was just one game against the Bengals, and it was the first game of the season with no pregame or preseason game. So, um, I think you know Eckler is going to be a big part of that passing game, regardless of who the quarterback is. Curtis Samuel beat writer uh, Curtis Samuel dash beat writer Steve Reed says that Panthers OC Joe Brady said that he wants to get Curtis Samuel more involved. Good things happen when the ball is in his hands. You buying this from Joe Brady, the offense coordinator for the Panthers? Yeah, I mean they're trying to make up the production that uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey leaves in that offense, and I would say that. Samuel, from an elect, you know, being an electrifying player, most resembles what McCaffrey can do uh, with the ball in his hands. So, the reason I'm mentioning this, or the reason we're talking about it, is I, I know that Samuel owners are a little frustrated with the way his, his season started out. But let's, I, I'd like to see what his usage is this week uh, before cutting bait. Uh, obviously, Robbie Anderson is the number two receiver in this offense, but maybe. Uh, Samuel will be usable with with McCaffrey out if he gets you know five or six uh, carries and then they start to target him a little bit more. 
on screens, or maybe he's running some of the routes that uh, Christian McCaffrey ran, uh, which also leads me to believe that maybe Mike Davis isn't going to be as big a factor in this offense as uh, maybe people think over the short term. We're going to talk about the Thursday night football matchup, get John's takes on Ryan Tannehill and, um, you know, Mitch Trubisky and Jeff Wilson, some of his other sneaky starts as well. But first, I want to let you know that the Most Accurate Podcast is brought to you by and presented by FanDuel Fantasy. We're absolutely thrilled to be playing fantasy football again. I love FanDuel. I love the fact that the app is easy to use. I enjoy that, you know, while I do play season-long leagues like the one with John Paulson, I have an opportunity to play DFS as well. I could pick a new team every single week. Yeah, I don't have to worry about, for example, trying to figure out what to do with Saquon Barkley, who is now out for the season. I love the different contests that FanDuel offers. They've got contests for five cents. They've got contests for, you know, 350 bucks. I mean, it's just, it's all skill sets, beginner and expert. You're going to love playing in FanDuel and you can compete for cash prizes. FanDuel is offering users for the, the chance to play free this season. No deposit required. Just sign up at FanDuel. They're going to give you a free entry to a contest each week of the football season where you can win real prizes. Plus, for those folks who want to deposit, FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit. Go to FanDuel.com T-M-A-P or download the FanDuel Fantasy app to play now. Again, FanDuel.com T-M-A-P. So think of the most accurate podcast. FanDuel, more ways to win. Let's talk about that Thursday night football matchup. The, the, the Dolphins really took it to the Jacksonville Jaguars last night. They're a three-point underdog, but they jumped out to a quick 14-0 lead and then rolled to a 31-13 victory in a game that just flat out wasn't close, John. When you look at some of the key statistics from Miami, 18 of 20 passing for Fitzpatrick. He only threw for 160 yards, but he did throw two touchdowns. Miles Gaskin was the team leader, team rushing leader, 22 carries, 66 yards. Parker played. He was targeted five times, caught five passes for 69 yards. Really kind of a slow night for Mike Gusecki, the tight end, who came off a career game last week. He only caught one pass, but it went for 15 yards and a touchdown. What were your observations from the Thursday night football game from the Dolphins' standpoint? Yeah, I would look at it from a, this is a low-volume passing game last night because they led most of the way and only had 20 pass attempts. And this is going to be unusual for the Dolphins to jump out to a big lead and then try to hold it. Uh, so I wouldn't worry too much about Devontae Parker or uh, Gesicki or even Preston Williams, who caught a touchdown, uh, the first touchdown of the game. The thing that jumped out to me was the usage of Miles Gaskin. And he is a player that we were talking about in the waiver wire watch. Uh, I discussed with Alex Galhar, uh, the guy who writes the white waiver wire watch, you know, debated with him about where we should rank him. Uh, and, you know, his take, and I came around, I mean, I mean, I, I bumped him up, um, but it was going to be a, a, a passing game role basically. And I pointed out that, um, he was leading in snaps and in carries as well, and it looked like it was trending his way, but he was a small guy. He kind of reminds me of Austin Eckler, Darren Sproles type. Um, maybe not quite as quick, but they really fed him. I mean, 22 carries, five catches, uh, and you're going to probably see in most games with Miami, if he's if he's the ball, you know, he's the primary ball carrier, he's probably going to end up with 15, um, 15, 16 carries, and, you know, four to seven receptions, depending on how the game's going. But he's definitely their primary running back. And the only time that 
Jordan Howard sees the field is really on goal line or short yardage. He came in and had another touchdown uh, last night. And Matt Breda only had three carries for four yards. So, you know, anybody who picked up Miles Gaskin uh, last week is probably pretty happy at this point because I think PPR-wise, he's, he's, you know, trending towards being an RB2 and being pretty much startable every week if, if this is the sort of usage he's going to get. Let's flip things and talk about Jacksonville, and Jacksonville certainly disappointed on the field. Minshew, though, was 30 of 42 for 275 yards. No touchdowns, and he did throw a pick, but the the yardage was there. The completions were there for him. James Robinson disappointed from the standpoint of 46 yards on 11 carries, but he did reach the end zone twice. He also caught six all six of his targets for 83 yards, so he he did have a, a very big fantasy night. Some of the other wide receivers that may have stood out, really nobody, nobody reached the end zone, but Cole Cole caught four or five targets for 43 yards, and then you had Thompson catch five five passes on six targets for 35 yards. What what really stood out to you from Jacksonville standpoint? Well, I saw most of the first, I saw all of the first quarter, and I saw the tail end of the game, and yeah, I just was waiting for the, the Minshew you know, touchdowns to arrive and they just never did. Uh, he got picked at the end. Um, he got two, two of the touchdowns were, you know, they scored two touchdowns and they're both by James Robinson on the ground. So Minshew suffered in that, that respect as well. Obviously if you picked up James Robinson and I have him in two of my four actively managed leagues, I spent a hundred percent of my fab on him in our league. Right, Anthony, right. I don't know I, if you no, noticed I that. I did just decided that I wanted him and I was going to get him. <laughs> Nothing do was going to stand in my way. Nothing was going to stand. And I'm okay with not having Fab for the rest of the year because I felt like, you know, I t- we talked about it earlier when they listed him as the starter on the depth chart prior to this week one. You know, usually you don't pay a whole lot of attention to the depth charts. It's, you know, some of them are put out by interns. They, they're not really, you know, they're not official. Uh, but the usually they will defer and give the – RB one job to the whatever veteran is there who, you know, it could have been Ozigbo or it could have been Chris Thompson, but they went out of the way to, to list the rookie James Robinson as the starter. And at that point I paid attention to the fact that he was going to likely be the starting back. And then it, it was starting to shape up like, well, it's going to probably be a committee with Ozigbo and, and Chris Thompson. And then Ozigbo went on IR and, you know, after week one, it became pretty clear that this is Robinson's backfield. And I had him ranked 15th this week in half PPR because it just looks like he's going, you know, the matchup is pretty good against the Dolphins. And he's got, you know, 17 touches, 129 yards, and two scores uh, from an undrafted uh, rookie uh, in his third game. It's pretty pretty impressive. All right, let's talk about sneaky starts. Always love this part of the podcast on Fridays during the NFL season. You can check out John's week three sneaky starts article at 444.com if you have a subscription. Let's talk quarterbacks, John. I had mentioned Ryan Tannehill and I've been calling him Mitchie Football now that he's 2-0. Mitchie Football, Mitch Trubisky, really nice matchup for both guys, especially Trubisky who gets to take on my um, ugly, unsightly Falcons defense. (laughs) uh yeah and just as a heads up uh we've already talked about jeff wilson and traquan smith so we can skip them since we're running a little bit long um Tannehill, you know one of my off-season favorites uh late round picks uh i definitely did not hit everything this this you know this year this draft season but Tannehill has been 
you know, excellent, even though uh, A.J. Brown has been pretty, you know, he had the one game and it was okay in that game, but nothing special. Uh, but Tannehill has produced both weeks. He's averaging 20, 244 yards, three pass touchdowns per game. He's averaging 13 yards as a runner. The Vikings' defense is rough. Uh, they got destroyed by Aaron Rodgers uh, for 364 yard, uh, pass yards and four touchdowns in Week 1. They did a little bit better against the run-heavy Colts in Week 2, but uh, I expect Tannehill to have another productive game. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, I was looking at his um, stats uh, against uh, bad pass defenses, and he really produces against bad pass. He takes advantage when the bad, you know, there's a bad pass defense in front of him, and that, that's the case I think with the Falcons. Sorry <laughs> to say, the Falcons have given up an average of 386 yards passing and 2.5 touchdown passes to Dak Prescott and Russell Wilson, both who are a lot better than Mitch Trubisky. So I wouldn't expect that sort of production, but you know, you could easily see Trubisky with 280 yards and two touchdowns in this game, and he also can run the ball. Uh, if he's feeling aggressive. So uh, I think he's a pretty good streamer. All right, you mentioned Jeff Wilson before. You, we know your thoughts on him. Sneaky Starts article, more on Jeff Wilson and John Paulson's thoughts on the 49ers running back. But Darrell Henderson is another sneaky start from a running back standpoint. Yeah, he came in uh, last week and definitely produced um, with Cam Akers getting, being knocked out with a rib injury. Malcolm Brown is dealing with a finger injury, but he looks like he's going to play. So I would expect these two to uh, split the backfield, but Henderson looked a lot more explosive last week, and I think he'll probably lead this uh, backfield in fantasy points. So, you know, Buffalo is a pretty good defense. I wouldn't go crazy with Henderson, but I feel like he's a pretty he's got a pretty good shot at 12 to 15 touches and a really pr- productive Rams offense. All right, and then wide receivers, Corey Davis and Adam Humphreys of the Titans. You list them as part of your sneaky starts, and I imagine with Ryan Tannehill that you like the Titans' offense, obviously. Yeah, and I'll actually talk about another receiver as well in this. I'll talk about Golden Tate, so to remind me if I forget. Uh, but, yeah, this is the Tennessee versus my, uh, Minnesota matchup that's really favorable, and, uh, you know, A.J. Brown is looking doubtful uh, for Sunday. So uh, Corey Davis has been – you know, been playing better this year and he went over a hundred yards in, um, in week one, he caught a touchdown last week and it was a little bit, you know, disappointing of a, uh, yardage day for him in that game. But, you know, he still produced a touchdown and, you know, I think he had three for three for 30 something and a touchdown. So, um, Adam Humphreys, his snaps did not spike, but I feel like his floor for his targets is higher with AJ Brown out because I think he's the number two or three option in this passing game after Corey Davis and uh, Janu Smith. So Tannehill looks to Humphreys to pick up the slack when Brown is out. So I think he's a, he's a real solid start as well against the, uh, against the Vikings. And we, we talked a little bit about the, um, the giants at the start. We just talked about the backfield, but I, I wanted to mention with Sterling Shepard out, Saquon out, Darius, uh, uh, Darius Slayton and Golden Tate and Evan Ingram should, should all get a bump. Uh, you know, see some extra targets in this offense because I don't think the running game is going to be that productive. And Golden Tate is somebody that's, you know, hit some waiver wires, you know, frankly, because he had the hamstring injury in week one. Not a typically a high upside guy, but in PPR formats, he's, you know, he had that really low usage stint with the Eagles uh, a couple years ago. But other than that, he has an average less than 4.0 catches and 50 yards per game since the 2012 season and he also catches some touchdowns too so i think he if you're hurting at receiver and there are some receiver injuries this week uh he's a 
he's a quality start as well. And then finally, your sneaky starts from a tight end perspective. You got Logan Thomas of Washington, Mole, Ali Cox from Indianapolis, Jordan Reed for the 49ers, Dalton Schultz, who had a big game last week against the Falcons. He did put it on the carpet once, but 9 of 88 for a touchdown on 10 targets. Jordan Akins, you got Drew Sample of the Bengals, and then Robert Tanya, who I know you talked a lot about in the offseason, John. He's uh, for your Packers going against the Saints. So just some quick thoughts on the tight ends for your sneaky snarts. starts. Yeah, I would watch. I would watch Jack Doyle because he came back to practice, and if he plays, then Moali Cox isn't as a uh, an appealing of a sneaky start. But uh, if he's out there against the Jets, he's a or if uh, Doyle is, is sidelined against the Jets, then Ali Cox is a, is a good play. He had one over 100 yards last week. Uh, Jordan Reed, you got to keep an eye on George Kittle. Obviously, if Kittle's out, then Reed is you know had the two touchdowns last week and. Uh, probably will have a good game. Uh, Dalton Schultz, you know, I kind of wrote him off after that Rams game. He caught one of four targets, I believe, and had a drop. And uh, But, you know, he obviously showed that he is capable of putting up big numbers against the Falcons, at least. Um, and he's, you know, the Seahawks are not defensively what they once were. Uh, Aikens has been producing seven catches last week. Sample is probably available. You know, Aikens, Sample, Sample, Schultz are probably all available on the waiver wire. Tanya is probably available on the waiver wire if you're looking for a streamer. Uh, Sample was getting seriously peppered with targets after uh, Uzuma went out with the injury in that game against the the Browns. And it looks like Joe Burrow likes to throw to his tight end. So he's a, he's a kind of a dad runner though. He's really <laughs> slow, but it, but he he but he's a big big target. And and sometimes those dad runners can uh, you know be have productive fantasy seasons uh, before they get replaced by people that are more athletic. Uh, but if Devante is out, then I think Robert Tanyan gets a little more appealing. Uh, I call him Baby Kittle because he trains, he's good friends with and lives with uh, George Kittle uh, and trains with him in the offseason. Um, I don't know if they live together. I think they, maybe maybe I'm making that up. It's like a Boos and Buddies type <laughs> of a situation. Uh, but he uh, you know, has played 60% of the snaps the first two weeks, uh, didn't do anything in week one. Uh, Sternberger keeps dropping passes in week two. Uh, he caught two or three targets. He had almost made a kind of a circus catch. It did hit him in the chest, but he was like jumping backwards as he was being guarded and probably should have caught it. I, mean, I don't know. It was it was a tough one, but he he was he was two or three for twenty five yards and a touchdown. The touchdown was very nice. Uh, he's athletic. He's a he's a converted receiver. Um, so if you're in a deep league or a tight end premium league and want some points this week, uh, Tanyan could be your guy, especially if, if Devontae's Don't out. forget about bit.ly slash 444 Discord for a subscription to the, to our 444 Discord. John just did a waiver wire audio chat on Tuesday, so a lot of good information there. As he noted, he's not posting as much on Twitter because we have that Discord account. FanDuel, check them out, as well as Monkey Knife Fight, and the offer is good for a free 444 Classic Pro or DFS subscription, so it's a $99 value, no-brainer for you bit.ly slash 444mkf, lowercase on all of that. At 444 underscore John is where you'll find John Paulson on Twitter and at Anthony Stalter if you want to check me out on Twitter as well. Good luck to you in week three of the NFL season, and we'll see you next Friday on 444.com's The Most Accurate Podcast. I'm sick and faded. I'm a-